Welcome to the Spawn Chunks, episode number 25 for Monday, February 4th, 2019. My name is Johnny, but you might know me as Pixel Riffs, and joining me, as always, is Joel Duggan. Hi, Joel, how are you? I am doing fantastic, sir, and realizing that we are quickly approaching half a stack of episodes. I know! Oh, exciting times. These milestones keep coming up for us, don't they? Mm-hmm. Speaking of, I want to give a quick shout out and welcome to the number of new patrons that came in at the end of January. We had uh, hey. speculated if we were going to break 50 patrons and we did. Smashed it. Absolutely yeah. smashed it. So we're, so we're so grateful to all of you. And I feel like the next milestone for that is a stack of patrons. So maybe by the end of February 64, it's a bit of a lofty yeah. goal. I'll give us that. But I, I, you know, think it's a, I think it's a perfectly adequate goal, as a matter of fact. We, We've got a growing community here. I like it yeah. a lot. And yes, we are mu- much appreciation goes out to all of our patrons because, uh, yeah, we like you guys a lot. And uh, aside from supporting the show, you know, financially, of course, it's been great to see everybody's discussions in the Discord about all of the, the new snapshots coming out and all this kind of stuff. We're getting lots of lots of fun things to talk about. So, yeah, always welcome to have more, more people contributing to the discussion and, and so forth. So what have you been up to in Minecraft this week? Um, I've, I've had a bit of a mixed week, actually. I've done a bit of building. I've done a little bit of redstone. I did a tutorial about how to install and use Optifine. And I went pretty in depth with Optifine. I went through all of the settings menus and stuff because I feel like everybody will tell you how to install it, but not a lot of people will tell you what it does. And some of the, some, some of the kind of the features of it appear quite technical and they are under the hood, but you need a simplified explanation of it and thankfully optifine has tons of like hover over text for all of the options so i kind of demonstrated that that is available and if you don't understand that then here is my interpretation of what that feature does i probably got a little bit of stuff wrong um but aside from that i've done a couple of more trivial things some more kind of easter eggy things uh i went into how to get mob heads and music discs because i finally got a channeling book for my trident so i went out waited for a storm i waited about like in total i think it was about six hours for a thunderstorm to happen naturally instead of cheating one in using commands because i just wanted to do it legit once and everybody in my comments was like dude you didn't have to do that and i was like i know but i feel like if if i if i hadn't done it that way then some people would have called me out for using commands so Mm -hmm. i feel like it's it's one or the other you either get people saying you don't have to go to that much effort or people going you cheater how dare you Mm -hmm. but i got i got my first ever creeper head in the survival guide and then somebody left a comment on that episode saying if you put a creeper head on you can actually walk up really close to creepers and they don't spot you until you're like a couple of blocks away from them and apparently it decreases the range at which that type of mob whatever type of mob's head that you're wearing will spot you within to to like about 50 percent so you have to be within about eight blocks of a creeper for it to notice that you're not another creeper huh and I never knew this about Minecraft. And I'm, I'm here making a survival guide and I'm still learning new stuff, which is <laughs> wonderful. Awesome, and yeah, yeah and I, I kind of gave them a shout out in the video that went up today, actually, and just said like, and I, I showed it on camera. And I was like, this is a mechanic I never knew existed because I've never really had such free access to mob heads because thunderstorms were so rare. You yeah. couldn't control them before. So charged creepers were even rarer. And I'd never built a charged creeper farm like the one you've seen maybe Cubfan or somebody make in, right. in other you know, Minecraft media. So finally having access to this, I gave it a try and I've only got the creeper head so far. I haven't got the zombie head or the skeleton head. Apparently it doesn't work for wither skeletons and of course the ender dragon, which is the other head that you can acquire. But it's kind of similar to the way Enderman won't aggro on you if you're wearing a pumpkin. So the justification for the mechanic is already there. It's a little bit consistent, but it's just kind of fun to have that. So I snuck up to a creeper. I got about three blocks away from it because sneaking lowers that 
you know visibility range for them as well and then right. it noticed me and i had to run away but it was fun it was <laughs> it was fun to learn something new about minecraft well, I can understand why you wouldn't know that either, because when you see creepers in game, it's usually the same reaction that most people have to spiders in the real world. It's like, kill it, kill it now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, just, like, get it gone. Get it yeah. gone. So how about, how about you? What have you been up to this week? Matter of fact, I had a couple of close calls with a creeper myself. Uh, uh -huh. I have been um, poking at, uh, very slowly in the evenings, my sugarcane plantation. Uh, so I already have a sugarcane farm on the server that's like an auto piston thing, but we're making yeah. a field of sugarcane. And... Uh, I actually had uh, quite a lot of help from uh, from Whip about the pattern, like the the densest sugarcane kind of pattern to go with. Uh, sure, it's the working kind of out the very well. The pinwheel sort of formation where yeah. you've got four of them around a water source and then yeah. the water source is offset. Yeah, exactly. But if you think creepers are hard to spot in grass, <laughs> then <laughs> let ninjas. me tell you. Ninjas. Let me tell you. Now, I happen to also be playing with a custom texture pack on the sugarcane, and I really did not change very much. I I just toned it down like i just turned it from being like you know um 1980s green neon to to yeah. sugarcane green which is still a very bright plant like it's it's not a, like i toned it down completely uh it doesn't match grass or anything like that but it's it's still but in the process of doing so unintentionally i think it's the same color as a creeper now <laughs> Uh-huh. So, yeah. <laughs> so really, not to mention that it's also three high, creepers are only two high, and I've got multiple levels of this stuff. And I'm talking like this this farm is a couple hundred blocks wide. Yeah. So all of a sudden you're like, I didn't make those grass footsteps. Run away. <laughs> Run away. Run away. Because <laughs> everything that I'm doing is like water and earth and and bushes. And it's just like a creeper blast is just gonna be it's gonna set me back, you know, not five minutes, but it's gonna set me back, you know, a bunch of a bunch of work. Uh, what what so, difficulty is the citadel on? Are you on normal or hard? Normal, because I think my server mates would die a lot. If we, <laughs> I would like to try fair. hard, um, but at the same time, normal... I mean, a lot of people I find that... Well, a lot of... I find content creators play on hard because of the amount of stuff that you get, like the drops and the mob rate and stuff are higher yeah, for farms yeah. and things. Um, but we we don't need that. We actually have a problem right now. It's like, oh, okay, so our potato chest are three or four double chests of potatoes are full um mm -hmm. what do we what do we do now <laughs> yeah. you know we don't there's six of us we don't need this much so um so we're having trouble in in that regards uh but the other thing that i was doing i did a stream on saturday and uh i was doing redstone i actually i've been doing a lot of not necessarily mundane stuff but it's a lot of long larger projects and um i wanted to break it up a little bit and i felt like doing something technical and that's something i just love about minecraft is that when you log in you're like yeah I don't really want to be an artist today. Like I want to do something cool and functional. So uh, the pumpkin farm that I, we have on the server, I hooked it up to a main water stream. For people that have been watching the, the streams for a while, you know that there's a water stream that goes underneath all of Dartmouth Meadows and takes our for farm overload and puts it into a greenhouse, which is next to our villager trading center. So easy way to get emeralds. We've got, you know, wheat and potatoes and carrots and pumpkins and all that kind of stuff. But the mm -hmm. pumpkins and melons were manually transported before we had to go take them by hand. So the pumpkins are now hooked up. And I had to repeat a redstone circuit that I designed and I was quite proud of, uh, where it waits for a chest to be one item short of full. And when the item, when that one new item comes in, one item goes out. So you can always grab pumpkins or melons or whatever it is you're looking for from the farm itself. But anything beyond one chest gets carried off and out to um, the greenhouse. So I had to do that. And I had some challenges because this, the, the pumpkin farm is on the water. So I had to encase 
the redstone and water and I had to flip it. Like I had to take my design and reverse it and come mm -hmm. up with a couple different ways. And then it wasn't working because of course I designed it to work with villager farms and they're essentially putting in one item at a time, right? So they, yeah. they harvest a, they harvest a, a, a potato and then that kind of pops in and that's it. Whereas my pumpkin farm is actually really efficient uh, despite it not being large. And so 17 pumpkins would come in and completely back up. And sure. yeah. because I was using the same circuit to read the chest to fire the dropper, the dropper we noticed on stream, thanks to uh, Paranor, shout out to Paranor, uh, was um, going to eventually back up. So at, over time, the farm would clog and it just wouldn't work. So I had to put an auto clock on the dropper and change the design a little bit. But ultimately, we got it working and uh, it was a lot of fun. I like, you know, making my water tunnels look not necessarily pretty, but at least clean so that you can navigate them easily. And so it was just kind of fun to be underground and doing some some stuff like that. But I, it kind of brought my attention to something and I wanted to ask you, why are there not more farm tutorials for moderate to small server or single player needs? I feel like every single time I go to search for like cactus farm or pumpkin farm or whatever, it's always like, you know, 10,000 pumpkins per hour or like, <laughs> yes. and, 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 and combination of two things. One, it's, you don't know, you, you don't need all that, but two, like it, the potential lag for, you know, on a server for, you know, a half dozen people is just astronomical when you don't, you don't necessarily need all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's uh, like mildly my, absurd. <laughs> yeah. Like my pumpkin farm runs constantly it's on a daylight timer so like it, it harvests at, at dusk and at dawn and i think there's only eight pumpkins per layer and four layers so it's mm -hmm. it's just 32 pumpkins that's it and it just we've got more pumpkins than we know what to do with so i'm have you ever come across any like tutorial series or farm tutorials where it's it's really aimed at like no this this is just for like a single player world or even just like a moderate server I feel like there are a few sort of entry-level farm designs out there. Um, I think the easiest one to find stuff like that for is iron farms because the basic iron farm is just a single cell that will generate maybe 40 iron every hour. Right. And there, there are some people who are just like, if you just want the basics, you can have this. I think uh, the place I saw ages ago demonstrating item filters was a channel called NIMS TV, N-I-M-S TV. Yep, yep yeah, that's where and, I got my iron farm design. Yeah, and and I th I think they've got I think that that dude has a bunch of sort of entry level farm designs or did at the time that I last looked at him, which was a while ago. Right. And yeah, I feel like the reason that happens is one because the technical community always wants to push things forward. They always want to do stuff faster and more efficiently, and so the efficiency of a farm and like the this gets more drops than any previous farm is the kind of thing that gets them i guess views and and interest from the other people in the technical community it's right. more of like it's in, in when you see people like il mango building stuff in creative and it's it's more of like a technical achievement to yes. make something like that than it is to make a farm that's just kind of stripped down and simple i think the other thing is that most of them are sort of modular in nature when you look at like pumpkin and melon farms and stuff like that so that you can build a smaller one to the same specification and not have to just repeat the design a whole bunch of times if you want more so you can make a pumpkin and melon farm that is you know fields wide if you want to but then that's still going to run on the same system of maybe there's like an observer that detects when it grows and then a piston punches it and it goes into a water stream you can build that as small as you want. So I think a lot of the time they're building something big simply because they can, but there's no reason you can't refine that down to something that's more suitable for a small 
server's needs. Mm. I remember when I was building my slime farm in in the um, the swamp, which is like four slime chunks mm. next to one another, and yeah. I've got multiple layers. So I and I had to light them all up, and I was like, well, I don't want to use torches because that just looks dumb. Plus, it negates spawning. Like you have to have a flat surface, and so I was like, well, my pumpkin farm is way back at the meadows, or at least maybe at that point it wasn't made yet. So I just started a pumpkin plantation, like old-fashioned, manual. You know, yeah. you have to let them grow and then harvest it. It was actually ridiculously easy to get yeah. a lot of pumpkins quite quickly. Like once you've got 12 or more planted and you just walk by and harvest it every time you walk by, it's funny, like all this automation is fantastic, but you don't really have to. <laughs> like you yeah. can just clear cut something and then come back and you just, you have to remember to do it. But once you've done it three or four times and you've got enough of them, it's really almost, I don't want to say faster, but it's, it's certainly, it's certainly nearly as efficient as doing like a small automatic farm. It's yeah. just having a traditional garden where you actually have to pick stuff up. Not as cool, yeah. of course. Uh, <laughs> I, cool. I think, I think the automated farms are also good for resources that you need for villager trading. So I've been trading a ton of pumpkins to the villagers on my survival mm -hmm. guide world to get loads yeah. of emeralds. And those emeralds have come in really useful because I'm now buying stuff back from them, like armor and things to go on armor stands. I bought some chain armor that I'm not intending to wear at all, but it's good for decoration. Yes. And so, yeah, like find, finding stuff like that, it's useful to have an automated farm for that. But in terms of practical uses for pumpkins, like if you're making iron golems or something, you're never going to need that many. I don't need more than a stack of pumpkins throughout probably a, a server's entire lifespan for practical purposes, for, you know, jack-o'-lanterns or whatever, maybe if I was using those as a light source. But right. there is, yeah. there's a lot of other stuff to choose from there. So yeah. I think, yeah, for, for large-scale villager trading stuff, it's good. But for for like the average person's needs you don't need that much that's true speaking of villager trading actually that has a lot to do with the news this week so we can move on into the snapshot which was 19w05a you can check that out at minecraft.net and uh, the wandering trader was added to the java edition you can place and uh, break lanterns now and they make sounds the illager beast is now renamed to ravager and they changed how often you will fill a composter there is also some updates to Bedrock, that is version 1.10.0.3, could not be more complicated if they tried. Mostly, uh, same changes that happened in 19w05a, except that there are changes to villagers that are not yet in the Java snapshots. Villagers now have sleep behaviors. They will now return to beds at the end of the day or get cranky. They added a stone mason villager, which can buy clay, sell bricks, buy stone, etc., uh, etc. Et There's also some quartz stuff in there as well. Villagers now have a visual-based trading system and will hold up an item they wish to trade. Villagers will now mingle together around job sites in the village, and librarians will inspect the bookshelves. Uh, I, I have very little to say about the Java snapshot because there didn't seem to be as much, uh, and I'm not as familiar with the, the Bedrock stuff. But one thing that I thought was interesting was the change to the composter in the Java edition. I realized that the rates were slow before, but they weren't all slow. Uh, and they were only really low on the stuff that was like purely automated. Like, you know, you could auto harvest kelp and then auto compost kelp and get auto bone meal and just kind of set it and forget it and never have to worry about it. Now the yeah. rates were low, but who cares? Because like, really you set that farm up near any place that's always loaded, whether it's your spawn chunks or whether it's, your, well, no, cause crops don't work in spawn chunks, but like any place that you're walking by a lot just set up that that kind of farm for for a composter and you've got automatic bone meal i don't know why they had to increase the rates do you think it was because of pressure from the community or or what i expect so i think 
because the the composter is basically if you're playing on peaceful it's the only way you can get bone meal because you never encounter skeletons you might get right. a few bones in chests from you know desert temples and that kind of thing but that's mm-hmm. just loot and you can't rely on that as a a valuable source of bone meal likewise the fossils that you find naturally in the world that have bone blocks as part of them you just can't you, you can't just wander into one of the you well that's the only way you can find it is to dig out a massive section of desert and hope you get lucky you don't mm-hmm. find them through any kind of means other than random exploration so i think maybe for people who play on peaceful which is probably a reasonable chunk of the community i'm not sure how vocal they are about it but it makes sense to make that bone meal a better value proposition because you are having to chuck a ton of stuff into it to get one bone meal out and then you can't exactly use that bone meal to grow more stuff because then you've just wasted a bone meal for something that's only going to get you like a percentage of your next bone meal. So right. I think maybe they just wanted to make it a little bit more like cost effective for want of a better term. And I think that's probably a good decision on their part because yeah, chucking a whole stack of seeds in there and only potentially getting like one bone meal out still seems a little bit unbalanced. So it's mainly a balancing thing, I think, more than them feeling like they have to cave into pressure i think mainly it was just putting the idea out there initially seeing how the community felt about it and then going yeah maybe we were a bit stingy on the rates let's up some of those so the last time we checked things like a baked potato uh hay bale cookies were at 50 percent, and they're up at like 85 now uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, 65% are things like apple, beetroot, carrot. So 65% for things like carrots and beetroot. Like, I mean, that th- those are pretty easily farmed with villagers and things like that. Yeah. Uh, melons and pumpkins are also at 65. 50% is uh, cactus. So that's up, I think, from 20 or 10. And cactus uh, is super easy to farm as well. Yeah. So, so, that, so that now so cactus, cactus would be a really good one for, for early game. If you've got a desert nearby, like you can easily make some... Um, um, some bone meal. Same with sugarcane. Sugarcane is at fifty percent. All the stuff that was at ten percent that I thought was okay at ten percent, like grass, kelp, leaves, seeds, um, yeah. seeds, etc. They're now up at thirty percent. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, th- uh, I think it's it's reasonable. It's not completely overkill. It's not like well now everything gives you bone meal. It's just tweaked a little bit. And mm-hmm. yeah, it it remains to be seen. I haven't seen any kind of updated farm designs where people have gone well now you can use this resource and it's different, but. Mm-hmm imagining the size of cactus farms people can build i imagine some of those will get used because cactus is a resource you don't need all that much of but you tend to generate a lot of whereas with with the other crops and stuff like if you're talking about carrots that's something you can trade if you're talking about potatoes that's something you can trade or even cook and eat as a pretty valid food source especially if you're one of those people who likes to do like occasional challenges where you don't kill animals you go vegetarian in minecraft that kind of thing yeah, so exactly. baked potatoes are always a good food source for that yeah for sure I, it's funny that you mentioned the, like how crazy cactus is so alistair on uh, the citadel has created a cactus clock uh, he got the idea i think from tango i pointed him in his direction and the cactus clock uh whenever the cactus grows it triggers an observer and that observer harvests his kelp so that his kelp doesn't grow too tall. He yeah, didn't want to put yeah. it on a redstone clock because he thought, well, I'll try to be server friendly. I'll just put it on a cactus clock. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> he now has in just like one day of AFK, mostly looking for kelp. He now has like two and a half stacks of cactus for him personally. <laughs> like He's never going to need that. That's from yeah. one cactus plant. So you see people that do these like huge arrays of cactus. It's like, well, you can't do anything with it or you couldn't before. Uh, other mm-hmm. than make cactus green, right? And at least yeah. now you can turn cactus into into bone meal, which is good. 
Yeah, yeah, it's good to have different options for this. And and again, it it deepens what you can do with some of these items as well, which mm-hmm. is something I'm always a big fan of when an item has multiple uses, which mm-hmm. is why people get kind of mad at beetroot because you can you can use it for a bunch of stuff, but it's not the most efficient way of doing anything. Yeah, and I so, wish beetroot yeah. would have have a different dye. Like I, the fact that it's also red dye, the same as poppies, to me is a little redundant. I and feel on like... Pocket, Edi- Pocket Edition introduced beetroot first, but they could already get red dye out of mushrooms as well. So it's right. just like it's just one more thing to add to the column. Yeah, but like uh, beets are kind of like a purpley color. If you've ever had a, a beet stain or seen pickled yeah. beets, then like they're oh, yeah. magenta. They're not. They're not red. So I think having magenta dye come naturally from beets would be would be better the but color I, of beetroot actually used to freak me out i was like how is it that pink and natural and just like just pickled ones sliced up in a jar it's like i can't yeah. see into that it's so dark it's, <laughs> yeah it's there are it's, it's funny how things that some things in nature are really that deep in color like it's, it's yeah like super really, vivid yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so, so that, I, that's all I really had to say about, about the Java edition like i'm not really keen on the wandering villager like it doesn't really seem to to be here or nor there for me Okay, so I wanted to talk about The Wandering Trader because personally I think it's a game changer, but not necessarily for the good. So if you look at the trades this guy has, technically what he's doing is that like this Wandering Villager in the snapshots and in the latest Bedrock beta and proposed to be in 1.14 is going to show up sort of randomly here and there. He's going to have a chance to spawn, I think, after your first full day of Minecraft, the first 20 minutes has passed. These wandering traders have a small chance to spawn within a 48 block radius of you. So there's a chance the guy will appear and then you'll completely miss him. And if you don't sort of wander in that direction or he doesn't make his way over to you through pathfinding, he'll just disappear again. And he's not a guy that you can capture because from what I understand, he has basically a despawn timer. You're, he's only going to stick around for a certain amount of time. And then even if he is observed, he is going to disappear. So Schrodinger's villager, not so much. But mm. in this case, um, he's going to have a selection of randomized trades from a list. And there's only going to be six or eight of them. So not all of these items are going to end up on the list every single time. But there are some here that really make me interested. For a start, gunpowder is a big one. Again, talking about folks who play on Peaceful, they don't have any means to get gunpowder, which means they don't always, they they can't like make firework rockets and use elytra and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So those Peaceful players are going to be able to trade emeralds for gunpowder with this guy. And he's never going to buy anything off of you. He's only ever going to buy stuff for emeralds. He's going to, he's going to sell you stuff for emeralds. So it's, it's the one, like the one villager that's not going to be able to, you know, give you currency. You only give currency to him. But gunpowder is a big one. He's going to sell all of the different types of dyes, all of the different types of flowers. And the idea is that he sells stuff from other biomes. So aside from that, he can also sell you sand and red sand. For one emerald, you get eight sand or four red sand, which makes sand a renewable resource, technically speaking, which right right now it's not. And while you can find it abundantly in deserts and the average person is not going to completely decimate a desert in their world... If you look at larger servers, folks like Hermitcraft, folks like Decidedly Vanilla, we have wrecked deserts in the past. And so Mm -hmm. anybody who wants to build in a desert or do anything kind of interesting with a desert, aside from just stripping out for all the sand, has to go really far afield. So what this guy does is provide sand for you so that you don't necessarily have to do that as much. Now, the problem, of course, is that you have to hope that sand turns up on his trading list, which is not always going to. And after a certain amount of trades, it will lock up permanently so before the guy disappears you can just lock one of his trades and no matter how many other trades you do it's not going to be like the other villagers where their trades refresh you're never going to get that back 
So you can trade a limited amount of sand with him and just get as much sand as you want in that instance. And then he goes away again and you have to wait for the next wandering trader to come back. So it's not a complete solution, but it's one that provides a renewable resource where previously there was not one. Well, it's the not same... renewable if he, de if he despawns though. Well, yeah, but then he's going to come back eventually. Like, there's going to be another villager that comes back who can potentially have sand. So it's not oh, something you can. It's not something you can farm so much. Right. But it it still provides a means of getting this, you know, pseudo infinitely, where previously the amount of sand in the world was finite and meant you had to destroy an entire biome in order to get it. Red right. sand is another one because you only get one layer of red sand on mesas, which means that you strip all of that out and it's gone, and you just have leftover kind of terracotta, mm -hmm. and so. Providing red sand to the player makes it more accessible, means that you can build with more red sandstone if you want to. This guy also trades coral blocks further down the list, and coral blocks are not currently renewable. And like we've said in previous episodes about coral and about other kind of topics when it's come up, coral blocks are one of those things that when they exist in the wild, you don't really want to mine them because it looks pretty. Yeah, exactly. So this, this guy provides an alternative to that. It's a, a renewable source of coral blocks and one that means you don't have to deface the environment. He also sells blue ice. He also sells all of the saplings. He also sells nautilus shells. There's a bunch of resources here that are really interesting propositions as something that a villager can trade with you. Yeah, the sapling thing is a cool idea, especially if you're playing on a large biome thing and you're like, oh, like I just, I really wish I could find a jungle because I really want yeah. a jungle tree or I'm trying to think about something else that would be really, you know, a, a tree. Like I guess, well, acacia, you know, if I wish I could yeah. find a savanna because acacia wood is just so different and so useful in terms of building. But if you can't find a savanna to get one acacia sapling or at least a couple, then, then you're kind of you know, buggered. So having a villager that can trade you that potential sampling is actually a pretty cool idea. It's also a really great thing for skyblock maps, because if you consider that skyblock maps for the most part are all fairly old at this point, and if you're playing on a skyblock map that was only around uh, like Minecraft 1.2 or whatever, then they don't have all of the newer tree types in it. So you're stuck building with oak and birch hmm. and you don't have any sand or you have like a small island with sand and one cactus, but then that's a very limited amount of that. So you can't build with glass in a skyblock world because then you've just used up all of the sand and... The, there's a, an opportunity for this guy to spawn in your skyblock world if you have like a decent range of stuff built up around you and then he can trade you a bunch of stuff so it or, or maybe making one of these guys accessible as part of a skyblock map could add to the challenge mm. a little bit you've got to you know figure out the conditions under which he can spawn in but then you get a bunch of resources from him that would rely normally on you having the full world generated around you so like coral blocks aren't going to be a possibility in skyblock unless you trade them from this guy right it's, it's an interesting mechanic and it's obviously one that we could have done with data packs and behavior packs and so forth with like custom trades and things but it's sure. nice that it's being added to the vanilla game so you don't have to question if you name tag him does he still disappear I'm pretty sure he does. I don't think there's anything that can stop him from despawning. I, don't, I haven't experimented enough with this to find out, and I feel like that information at least is not available on the wiki. So right. interesting to find out. But we're going to talk a little bit more about renewable resources in a minute because I think that's a fun discussion to have. But mm, yeah. right now, the, the flip side of this, the argument against this wandering trader guy is that he is potentially going to be a, a discouragement for exploration. And you were talking before about, you know, the difficulty of finding other resources in large biome worlds. But think about your average Minecraft world. One of the reasons you go out and explore it and have the experience of traveling to other biomes is to find these resources in the first place. 
But if you find a wandering trader who happens to be selling the one that you you need, mm. then that's potentially like, well, I don't need to go out and find this beautiful coral reef because this guy just came up and handed me some coral blocks. Yeah, yeah. Or or I don't need to go find a jungle because I just got a, a jungle sapling and provided I harvest it the right way, I could end up with a plantation and not have to ever find a jungle. Yeah, exactly. Now, th those trades like the saplings and the coral blocks are a little bit further up the list in terms of how many emeralds that you require. So you're already going to need to have presumably traded with a few villagers or got lucky with finding emeralds in shipwrecks, which requires exploration to begin with, mm. in order to trade the saplings from him in any great number. But that's still potentially an argument against having this guy around. Part of the problem that I have with it is that it's it seems like a lot of work and a lot of effort to code and, and, and add this guy to the game. Uh, and the one emerald, two emerald, three emerald prices for things, considering it looks like you only get maybe one coral block for three emeralds. Like, yes, for the amount of time that he's available and the amount of cost, like it doesn't seem at all like, what am I going to do with eight sand? <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I, right. Like yeah. I just, that you got windows for your starter house, but you can do that by mining a riverbed. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. just, I can get more than that. You can get three times that in two seconds without trying to find this dude. Now, some stuff. Sure, gunpowder, you know, that's easier to get in early game, you know, that way, like trading with this guy than it would be uh, to um, to get to kill a creeper. But like in early game, you don't have Elytra unless you're building TNT for something, which you're going to need sand for anyway. Like mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't see, I don't see the usefulness of it. Like he's not selling anything that's really unique uh, that's going to be worth, you know, being excited for with maybe the exception of like, say, Nautilus Shell uh slime ball maybe but like i find slime chunks are so frequent that it doesn't i don't seem to have ever have a problem finding slime um i th i think it's an interesting alternative especially for players who aren't that technical who don't know how to find slime chunks or can't because when i made a slime farm one of the messages i got from basically everybody who plays bedrock and watches my series was like so how do i do this in bedrock and it's like oh wait you can't yeah. you just have to get lucky mining out a large area of things and then you have to hope that the slime that you just found spawned in the chunk you're currently in and not the neighboring chunk and it just wandered through the cave to get to where you are because it saw you yeah and yeah so there's there's some stuff that it's it's a little bit more balanced depending on what your style of gameplay is and i think there's there's also the aspect of it just being like we said with the beetroot kind of having multiple uses there's just another way of getting something as an option not necessarily as this is the only way you're going to get that now but mm -hmm. it's it's available to you as a random occurrence. It would be great if the guy showed up right when you were like, well, I have to go and get some more red sand from the Mesa, which is miles away, and I have to set up this whole boat path to the Mesa, and we don't mm -hmm. have the Nether Hub connection set up yet. And then a guy pops up, and he's just got the red sand you need. It's unlikely, but it's possible, and it would be one of those great occurrences that almost makes for like a nice story to tell. Like, I was really low on this particular resource, and then a wandering trader popped up. He had exactly what I wanted. It's going to happen to somebody, and that person is going to be very, very happy. Yeah, but at the same time, like, how many trades of four red sand for one emerald do you get before he locks out? Twelve? Sixteen? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, again, like, you can build your driveway, <laughs> but, but yes, that's it, it right? Like, it just, it's, it's not... It, it, it only really works in the, the occurrences of, like, well, all I needed was just, like, a few more red sand. Yeah. Just like a would, stack of it yeah. or whatever, yeah. I would be more excited about this if you were able to, because name tags early game are not easy to find. Uh, I, you know, I, I would be more excited about this if you were able to tag him and then he would stay. Yeah. Uh, and then that would, that would, um, and may, maybe if he stays, then no other trading, wandering trader will spawn. Like if you decide to tag him, 
then he's the one that you get and and he never goes away but no other ones appear in in the the near vicinity either yeah sure the mob, uh, until, the mob cap for wandering traders is one one yeah so then then maybe he goes away because otherwise like if you can't if you can't exploit it or no, i don't want to say exploit that's the wrong word if you can't use it um then then really i don't see the point like that's that's mm-hmm. where i think where i come down it is like you know i i i agree that it, it also negates the exploration as well so i don't i don't really think this is exciting i it's it's curious, but it, I don't see the reasoning behind it, right? Like, I yeah. think that's that's I think that's maybe my disconnect. Is it neat? Th- yes. Uh, is it? I'm not. Am I complaining about an addition to the game? No. But I don't understand the motivation behind it. That's where I'm yeah. drawing a blank. I think ultimately it comes down to play style because we're both people who like to hoard and have like a bunch of resources and have yeah. that stuff available to us because we want to build with it and we want to build, build large it, yeah. scale stuff. And yeah. I, I think maybe this is geared more at people who like exploration and like the discovery aspect of Minecraft, but aren't going to use tons and tons of resources in order to buy stuff. So yeah. this is a feature that's probably going to pass some people by, but I think for other people, it'll probably be quite an interesting aspect to it. Cool. Well, before we move on, tell me about Stonemason Villagers. So stonemasons have been added in this new bedrock beta as well, and they buy clay from you. So they buy clay balls, which at first made me despair because clay balls are another one of those non-renewable resources that I've wanted to be renewable for a while. And why would I trade my valuable clay away to the stonemason? I probably wouldn't, but he also sells you bricks for emeralds, which makes bricks renewable if not the clay balls themselves, meaning you can hoard the clay to use as clay blocks, or you can just have more bricks once you've been able to get a decent trading kind of setup with this guy. Mm. He will buy all of the stone types, the regular stone, the unpolished versions of diorite, granite, and andesite, and he will sell you the polished or chiseled versions of those. So he'll sell you chiseled stone bricks. He'll sell you polished andesite, granite, and diorite. No idea why you would want that, but it was kind of the function of the stone cutter block in previous versions of minecraft pocket edition was to kind of give you those because there wasn't a way to craft them uh he also buys raw quartz and sells quartz pillars and i again i don't know why you would trade raw quartz to this guy because he like you've you've got that you need that for daylight sensors you need it for observers there's so many other good uses for quartz but you can do that independently of buying quartz pillars off of him. So it's not like he's trading quartz for quartz pillars. He's trading quartz pillars for emeralds. So you can very easily buy a bunch of quartz, but it's not just the quartz blocks, so you can't then turn it into anything. It seems to only be quartz pillars right now, which is a little bit frustrating, but ties into the idea that he is a stonemason and his job is to refine a raw block of something into a polished version of you know the the end product. Yeah, what he sells are the fancy things. What he buys are the raw materials. I... You can't in game if you have a quartz block, you can't unmake it, right? Like you can't turn it into another quartz you, again. You can turn quartz pillars into slabs, and then you can turn the slabs either into something that looks like a full block Double or slab. something, or you can right. turn it into chiseled quartz. Okay, so, so any, quartz pillar any quartz is not block just. Will, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but, and I think you can also turn them into stairs from there as well. You can. Oh, you can use quartz pillar to make stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, and a quartz pillar, I don't know if I've ever put one into the stone cutter in one fourteen. So I don't know what. No, I, I haven't tried that yet. I don't know what does it count as stone? Let's find out. I, uh, I imagine it probably does. Um, but yeah, so that well, that's. I mean, that's fine. I mean, buying one to two emeralds for a quartz pillar, if you can't get or don't want to go to the Nether, then mm-hmm. that to me is an excellent. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I guess th there's definitely a subset of people who just don't want to touch the nether as an environment. They're like, nope, I'm, I don't like the fire. I don't like the, the theme of it or whatever, or like ghasts annoy me. Then yep. yeah, by all means, have, have renewable quartz in the form of pillars. And I guess you can kind of make it into whatever you want from there. So it's, yeah. it's not bad. It's an interesting inroad into that kind of stuff. It also, there's a, it deepens the amount of stuff that we have for villagers already, which is kind of the theme of this next update, regardless of whether you think the mechanics will be useful. Stuff like villagers now having to sleep so that they, they have to go mm -hmm. to beds at the end of the day or they get angry and they won't trade with you. Uh, that's interesting. That's going to completely change the way people build villager trading halls in future, but I haven't had much hands-on experience with this, and most of the Java community has ignored this bedrock changelog because I guess they want to see the features in Java before they try and mess around with them too much. Yeah. And obviously everything is still subject to change. It's on the feedback website for Minecraft.net, so it's actually kind of open to player suggestions right now, so we can probably let them know if we find certain things annoying. Um, the visual-based trading system, from what I can tell, just seems to be they... If you enter a village holding an emerald, they hold up an item that they're interested in trading with you, but then you still go into the GUI to trade with them. I don't think they found like a an alternative to the GUI quite yet. And that's fine. But, I don't I don't mind that. I mean, being able to look at three farmers and having one hold up a carrot and one hold up a potato, the other hold up a yeah. piece of wheat. Like if I'm looking for one, not the other, I would much rather see that than than having to go and click on the UI for each villager. And because yeah, that's something sure. I find very kludgy about the way that that, that trading yeah. works. It's uh, an that, extension of the fact that that they now wear clothes yeah. that match their specific profession too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I never got around to it, but I had thought about putting together um, a texture pack change for um, the villagers, specifically the ones in our in our trading hall. Uh, I mean, if nothing else, just to differentiate cartographers from from librarians and just give them like a gray robe or just nothing fancy, just change their colors so that I could you mm -hmm. know quickly discern which one was a librarian. I mean, we've got signs above their head now, but. But it would just, at a glance, it would be just like, oh, I've got to go to the third guy from the right to get my, my mending book because he's, you know, he's the librarian and he's got the bright red robe or whatever I decided to do. But yeah, I haven't done it. Uh, so what do you think? Are we ready for some chunk mail? I think so, because this also kind of ties into what we were talking about as far as not really understanding the wandering villager thing and thinking that some of the features that are adding in have questionable use. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, this is an interesting, interesting email. And I think you should read this one. Sounds good, uh, especially, I believe this is someone from your community as well. Uh, yes. And this is in response to episode 24, which was the round table. Uh, we talked about vanilla Minecraft features that don't make any sense or slash are quote unquote useless. That's kind of a harsh Look, term, but like... Uh, looking at you tipped arrows. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was, it was uh, Johnny's idea. Uh, and this is from Dennis, aka Pixel Plague. We're going to call you Plague from now on. Uh, good day, Pix and Joel. Been avidly listening since episode one, and I've wanted to chime in a few times, but something you guys discussed on the roundtable really struck a chord with me. Useless vanilla features. I am so happy you guys addressed this because it seems like a lot of people don't really take notice of these. Now, I don't have a fundamental issue with useless items per se, and I don't think most people do. For instance, poisonous potatoes aren't useful, but they aren't a hindrance either, and they sort of add a little bit of quirkiness to the game. I don't even take issue with depreciating things like riding pigs. It was, at the time, a cool thing, and is now useless. There is no need to remove it, so it's still going to find that it's in the game. Where I hook is, uh, where I hook is those useless things that are added as features. I think that Pix was talking about, and here's why. 
Uh, it seems like many of these new things added to the game lately are totally pointless, rather than being refinements or improvements to the game. I'm not sure if players just selectively disregard what they don't see as useful, but it seems to me a bit of tons of cool stuff, uh, but superficial additions to the game. Sorry. Uh, I feel like effort is placed not on the content, but on the wrapper. Uh, with the new changes coming in 1.14, I'm even more nervous since a lot of new Fandangle blocks seem to simply duplicate already pleasant f present functions with minimal benefit. Thus, I'd like to go a step further and say things like these are pointless as tipped arrows or lingering potions. Ultimately, these take away from developing or updating other areas that would greatly benefit. Full disclosure, I'm a bit of an old grumpy man. I really miss the days when horses were awesome and minecarts were a viable way to get around. I'll even go a bit further. I actually dislike Elytra. Yes, I said it. I'm not ashamed. But in all seriousness, I find like some things in the game, losing usefulness takes away from the experience to some degree. Once you have wings, uh, falling isn't really as scary and traveling 2000 blocks isn't really an adventure anymore. So maybe it's I'm stupidly biased, but I really feel like some older features and mechanics should be brought back into the modern game and added some new depth to it. Anyway, I'm rambling along here, but I just felt compelled to say something like this. Uh, leave, uh, love the show. Uh, keep up the good, rook, good work. Dennis, a.k.a. Pixel Plague. No relation to Pixel Riffs. Uh, and he's from Ontario. He's from Ottawa. Mm -hmm. So for a start, shame, shame on you for saying elytras are useless. Because yeah, no, I, I, I joke of course because people are gonna have uh, you know different strokes for different folks and all that. I, I think elytra definitely has like diminished the amount that you go adventuring. I'm I'm a hundred percent ready to concede that. Mm -hmm. However, they are they are useful beyond measure for me as as somebody who needs to go out and find resources like we were saying that the long journeys to find resources like jungles mesas that kind mm -hmm. of thing it's made so much quicker with elytra and yes you don't have as many kind of adventures along the way but if you want to get to just the building section of things like you don't want to kill your momentum for whatever project you've got going on that's where i find being able to fly around is really useful also being able to see stuff from above is just kind of nice from time to time instead of having to you know, log in with a camera account, or if you don't have a camera account, then mm -hmm. just being able to being able to see stuff from a different angle does help. Although YouTubers do it a little bit too much. People are always ragging on Mumbo Jumbo, especially for like flying away from his builds and then turning around and looking back at them as he's flying back in. And it's like, it's become a bit of a trademark of his at this point to just look at stuff from the air and go, yeah, I think that's good. So there, there are definitely uses for Elytra, but I can understand people's aversion to them if they prefer the sort of the adventurous nature of Minecraft. Yeah, I I don't fly around on purpose sometimes when I'm walking through the Dartmouth Meadows when I'm streaming on the Citadel because I think it shows off the work that myself and other people on the server has done more. Yeah. Um, and because you want to see it from that angle, it takes a little bit longer, but it also gives me a chance to chat with the chat room and, and walk around and stuff like that. I know that you've brought this up before, but I also do find that I'm not looking around and enjoying the world the same when I'm flying. When I'm flying, mm -hmm. it's generally... I'm kind of trying to get someplace that I've been a couple hundred times before. And I just want to get there. Yeah, uh, it's, a, it's about the destination, not the journey. At that yeah, point. yeah. Uh, because for whatever reason, visually, well, I think part of it is because of the way that the elytra work. Uh, when you look down, you fly down, which I think is mm -hmm. dumb. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah. so the problem there is that you're never looking at Minecraft. You're looking at the chunks loading in, which is not, it just, it really breaks the immersion. Like you really are just looking at the video game loading in around you. And um, I don't find that, 
as as nice as when you're on the ground walking of course you're depending on your render distance your chunks are going to load in before you see them as you come around curves and trees and roads and things so i can appreciate that but i mean for that just don't use them <laughs> like if yeah. you don't like them don't don't fly around with them um but i i think that i really agree with i don't want to say disappointment but i'm underwhelmed by a lot of the new blocks coming in 1.14 specifically things like the smoker the the blast furnace and stuff like that because dennis is right they're not new they're just like meh now you can smelt stuff twice as fast that's i can do that now i just build more furnaces like you know Mm -hmm. it's it's really not it's not adding anything new to the game it's just sort of like speeding things up a little bit but it it seems like a lot of effort for minimal gain. Yeah. In, ter- in I, terms of like the development, like, I mean, the, 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 the time it seems to take for Mojang to develop something like a blast furnace. And then we like, Oh, so that's how it works. Okay. Like, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, it's, there's no, there's no, Oh my gosh, you can now, I'm not sure what we could say a blast furnace could do, you know, smelt four different kinds of items at a time. Or like, I'm trying to think about other things that a blast furnace could do. Um, you know, maybe, you know, a, maybe the blast furnace is the only way to create a new block, right? Like maybe a new kind of stone, you know, like a hardened something or I don't know, but like, that's not the case. It ju- it just smelts the stuff that, that, you know, twice as fast. And, yeah. and for me, I think that Dennis really nailed the, the, that underwhelming feeling about, about the new stuff coming in window 14. Yeah. I, th- I think it's, there's a focus on keeping things consistent with the current mechanics of Minecraft rather than branching out and having new stuff. And I feel like Elytra was one of those things, and that was a while ago. That was 1.9. That was like three, nearly four years ago now that we got wings and we were able to fly around in Minecraft for the first time. And I think that's, much as you know, Dennis said he didn't really like them, is one of the, the major kind of mechanical changes. The ability for players to fly around is kind of huge and nothing's really had that impact on the game since in terms of something that you just couldn't do before under any circumstances except maybe creative mode but now you can you know Mm. it's there's so little stuff like that coming through now and maybe it's just because it's really difficult to generate original ideas for this game that don't completely break it in one way or another i think that's probably why they resisted putting any flight mechanics into survival minecraft for the longest time in in modded they had you know gliders and jetpacks and helicopters and all kinds of stuff for a long long time before but i think with vanilla they just they were worried that flight would just fundamentally change so much about the game and it has but for some people it's been a very positive change it's allowed people to build bigger and better and you know find resources faster and get to the stuff that's important to them mm. and i i wonder if it's just difficult to come up with a mechanic that will fundamentally change things so they just stick to what they know a little bit right now. And without actually knowing a huge amount about Mojang's development philosophy, other than, you know, some stuff that people have dropped into the Discord here and there about what they've heard, it's it's difficult to know what their approach would be to generating new features like that. I think maybe Phantoms were kind of a similar thing. It's like introducing a mob that forces you to sleep. Obviously, that mechanic, like the, the mechanic of sleeping isn't, it has been in the game for a very long time, but now there's a reason to do it and there's something that will attack you if you don't. That feels like a bit of a change. But then yeah. Phantoms were one of those things that people were either just kind of annoyed by or overwhelmed by 
and only a few people have really you know embraced that as a feature a lot of people just kind of ignore them and sleep all the time or shake their fists at the sky whenever it gets to nighttime because they haven't slept for a while and it's really not that big of a deal either because um they don't appear over all players only just the players that haven't slept so we have one player sleep on the server and when i was playing the other day uh myself and alistair were taking turns sleeping as we were helping megan build and megan wasn't sleeping so when we were checking out a build at night because we wanted to see what it looked like in the dark uh megan had some um some uh i'm blanking phantoms um attacker and so and she hadn't played in a while so she didn't know what was going on and it was fine but it took us a couple seconds to sort them out i mean granted there was three of us but still like it just it's one of those things where like it, it only they only appear above the one player that hasn't slept uh with things like data packs that allow for one player sleep which is a pretty popular thing on most servers then you're not going to run into them that much i also find that while they do hit decently hard especially if you're not wearing a chest plate like if you've got elytra and they tag you they do they do a couple of hearts but i also find that their ai is so messed up like they're not a challenge at all because they can't see you <laughs> like they really yeah. they really or they're just going to hang out there they make a noise and then they just do nothing because they haven't figured out how to path to you i i really feel like they're the it's like they're the sea turtle of the sky. Like they, <laughs> like they, they really don't, they don't move that fast. Like if, for example, if you ever tried to hit a bat with a sword, that's really hard. Yeah. If, if they moved around like bats, I would be way more scared. Like I, mm -hmm. I would really have a hard time with them and I would be thrilled to be like in a good, in a good gameplay way. I would be running from building to building at nighttime if they were, if they moved like bats. Right. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, they don't. So I, yeah, I, there's a couple of things lately that they've added to the game where I'm just like, I, I don't really understand. Like, it sounds like a good idea on paper, but then the execution doesn't really seem to, to follow through. Then again, I feel like they're still going to surprise us with some stuff. I mean, there are still new things coming up about 1.14. We say this every week now. Oh, it's yeah, become yeah, yeah. A, a consistent refrain of this show yeah. that they're they're adding stuff in the snapshots that we hadn't heard of at Minecon. And so, yeah, there might still be some features that just pop out for people. And once they actually get into the game and once everyone's playing with them, some stuff that you might have completely dismissed as useless might turn out to be the most useful thing in the world to you. Yeah, It's like it's like Whip was saying last week where he didn't really end up using a bunch of the coral blocks and stuff. And But mm -hmm. then stone slabs are going to come to the game and that's going to be the most important thing in the world for him because regular stone just doesn't yeah. have a slab form yet. Yeah. And so for, for one person, it's going to work differently. It's going to be, you know, one person's trash being another person's treasure for sure. Yeah, that's true. It's very true. So let's move on to the discussion topic for this episode. We're going to talk a little bit about what I was mentioning earlier, renewable resources. So some resources in the game are renewable, meaning they can be farmed infinitely uh, regardless of how many of that thing there are when the world naturally generates. Think as a cobblestone is a great example of this. You can mine right. stone and in theory, after a long amount of time, probably, you know, thousands of years of mining out a Minecraft world, if you removed all of the stone from it, you would no longer be able to get cobblestone. Except for the fact that if you put lava and water together, you get cobblestone, if you do it right. If you, put, if you do it wrong, you get obsidian. But if you, if you can set up a cobblestone generator, you can have an infinite amount of that block to build with, and there's no need to mine all of the stone out of your world. Some resources are not like that. I feel like the one that always strikes me as amusing is dirt and grass, because I, I guess grass is renewable if you want to say you can just feed dirt into it and it will grow over with grass. But dirt right. itself seems like the most fundamental thing because it is abundant in a Minecraft world. But then when you play something like Skyblock, 
where you start off with maybe a stack or two of dirt on this island in the sky, and that's all the dirt you have in the world, you start to really wish dirt was renewable. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that packs like Sky Factory do is they add in means of acquiring dirt again. It's what I thought the composter was going to be able to do is make soil for you. Right. I thought the composter was going to have different output per different input. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you, you can compost things like vegetables and stuff like that to maybe get better fertilizer. But what if you were to compost like stone or trees or, you know, compost the heavier stuff to get podzol or dirt or, exactly. or things like that, you know, to, it, to go back to what you said about the wandering trader earlier about, I mean, having items from other, um, other biomes. Granted, I realize that pods all can now be renewed with, um, spruce trees, but, uh, or negative spruce trees, but having, you know, the composter be able to put, put out pods all, which actually makes sense, um, is not a thing yet that we know of. Yeah. Yeah. And even though it uses the pods all texture in the composter in the first place, all it gives you is bone meal to fertilize things i was actually so, excited watching a video about that going like oh wow i wonder if it nope it's bone meal <laughs> it's yeah. like i thought we might you know it, i like again i think it would be neat if the different tiers like we talked about you know 30 50 65 85 percent if those were broken down into you get bone meal for one of these you get podzol for another you get dirt for another now granted i've never really run out of dirt because it's just everywhere mm-hmm. um now that said we're not playing on what was it the, what was the block limit 800 by 800 on on bedrock when you first started playing console edition? yeah on, on on xbox 360 on like the legacy console edition that still right. exists out there the ps3 and the xbox yeah. 360 yeah so technically sure you could you could run out of stuff there uh the thing that i think of when i think about renewable resources i don't necessarily want it, want it to be easy but i think quartz would be yeah. would be something that would be top in my list about a resource that i would want to be able to craft again i don't want it to be something i can do easily but it when, on a big server, I can only imagine the pains when you've got like, you know, really, I'm, we're going to use Hermitcraft a lot as an example in the show because we both watch it, but mm-hmm. like they must be, they must have to travel forever to find quartz in that game now. So my buddy Python, uh, Python MC, is doing a skyscraper project where each one of these four skyscrapers he's building is made out of quartz and a little bit of white concrete and some red glass, but like most of it is quartz. And he's done a couple of challenges where he's like, let me try and get to 100 levels just mining quartz ore so that he can motivate himself to gather more of this stuff. But it is becoming more and more difficult to find it, not only because it's used for blocks and four quartz makes one quartz block, and then that quartz block breaks down into stuff like stairs, so you get even fewer blocks as a result. Mm -hmm. But you also use quartz in, like we said earlier, daylight sensors, comparators, uh, the observer blocks stuff like that it's used in a few different redstone recipes which means that quartz just becomes rarer and rarer especially if you work on a server where there's people with a wide variety of interests people who prefer the technical side of things are going to want quartz for all of their redstone projects so quartz would be would be a fantastic thing and that that was one of the things i was going to ask you is what resources have you just yearned for being renewable and how would you make them renewable like how would you make quartz a renewable resource well, if you want to duck into the science of it, I mean, quartz is silicon and oxygen. So there's air blocks in Minecraft, but there's no silicon blocks in Minecraft. So like you'd have to come up with, a, I guess, a Minecraft inventive way of replacing one of those elements uh, and trying to come up with it. I, I don't want it, like, again, I wouldn't want it to be something as easy as making cobblestone. Like, you know, water and lava equals endless cobblestone. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the stone, if you have enough fuel to, to smelt the cobblestone and turn it smooth. So I don't know, like, I feel like you'd have to come up with a way that would ha- probably be, still be nether related or, uh, you'd have to combine, you know, other materials in the game. Like I know it's never, it never happens because no one wants to make diorite, but can't, isn't andesite and cobblestone or andesite and one other block. Is that how you make diorite? Yeah, I think I I think there is there's one that involves quartz as a recipe. I think it's andesite and quartz or That's what it di- is. Diorite it's like and quartz. You, you, yeah. you, you use up your quartz to make diorite and you're like, nope, why would I want to do that? And yes. and and so that like I think you'd have to come up with a way of combining some stone uh to do that. So maybe maybe they make it a use for diorite, because diorite in the game, while not used very much, is also not super abundant. Like if you actually want it for something. Um, like a prank or something like that, then uh, you really don't have that much. You know, like I, I find it, it's it's certainly the, the lower frequency of the three between andesite, granite, and diorite. I'd say diorite probably happens in the world less often. That's just anecdotal. But um, so you could maybe do something where it's like a very high price, like something like, you know, not a one-to-one ratio or, or even a four-to-one ratio. Like maybe you have to, to smelt a lot of diorite to get like one quartz or and then you have to turn four of those into a block and all yeah that you, you were you were talking earlier about being able to use the blast furnace to make something unique what if you could only smelt mm. diorite in a blast furnace to get mm-hmm. quartz as a yep. result i feel like that would be a really great way of making quartz renewable yeah no i think so too um outside of that like i'm trying to think about the resources that i would want that would be renewable and for me it's for me it's clay because yeah. clay can be made into clay blocks which don't get used often enough but are actually quite a neat texture though it was one of the few sort of really smooth textures before they added hardened clay and which now terracotta yeah. and concrete yeah exactly uh clay is only found in swamps and on riverbeds it used to be found in oceans but is less common there and you can find it on lakes and stuff occasionally but then that you often turn into bricks and bricks much like quartz are one of those things that if you put four of them into a thing you only get one block out of it which is one of the reasons i was really excited about the stonemason because being able to finally trade bricks means that you can save up all of that red brick to make brick blocks and you can save the clay balls that you harvest or the clay blocks if you silk touch them for whatever you want to use clay in its raw form for mm-hmm. and i would love a clay golem of some kind that's one of the things i've always thought of because you know golems in the jewish mythology are sort of made out of clay to begin with right and i i feel like that makes a lot of sense and maybe they don't want to touch on that because it potentially has like religious tones that they want to leave out of the game itself sure but i feel like it's a shoe-in for the kind of the golems that already exist within minecraft and then somehow making that renewable the spawning conditions for that if it was going to spawn in the same way as iron golems and stuff like that maybe a smaller village would have a clay golem before they upgraded to an iron golem or something like that i don't or i don't know exactly how i'd implement specific, it you know swamp yeah I think a clay golem in the swamp makes a lot of sense i think i think too like it doesn't have to necessarily be religious you could t- uh, tie it to folklore i think a lot of Celtic yeah i mean that, that's, that's the kind of thing yeah gaelic folklore that sort of thing would have like golems and, and spirits and things like that it'd be kind of fun um i'm just looking over a list of items trying to come up with something and the only other thing that kind of pops in my head as far as like renewable uh would be uh red sandstone like there's no way to make it right you have to you have to collect it and i don't build with it not that i don't like it i haven't really made an effort to use it because it's you know it is kind of an odd color but if, if you were wanting to use it you would be stuck having to harvest it from a mesa and it's not going to be nearly as abundant as say like a a sand in a desert um you know you need joel you need you need a wandering villager 
Uh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah. because I, I want to build something six by six out of <laughs> yeah four, four, sand, four blocks at a four time. Blocks yeah, of sand exactly. Uh, I feel like um, I feel like there's like I'm, I feel like I'm missing something. Like I know I know there are blocks in the game where I'm just like, oh, I wish I could make that, but I know that I can't. Um, and I'm I, just, I'm, I feel I'm like gravel gravel is one of those non-renewable things which mm-hmm. becomes a little bit tricky when you're making stuff with tons and tons of concrete, especially now because gathering gravel from the ocean floor ocean floors aren't all made of gravel now to begin with but yes, yeah. gathering gravel from the ocean floor is much more difficult and time consuming now that items float to the surface and you don't just collect them from the seabed whenever you're done mining stuff yeah, out. yeah we had i had that discussion actually uh about the sizzle because we upgraded a huge number of our chunks our 1.12 so mm-hmm. our desert is next to the ocean which means that our our ocean mine is also a sand uh, a gravel mine which is great Mm -hmm. so we don't we don't have to really worry about that so it's not it's not a concern that i have but i know that other players would have that sort of a fresh world on 1.13 um but yeah gravel uh, again you know crafting gravel would make sense um i don't think i can't think of anything else that that isn't already renewable or that isn't renewable that i would want like i mean endstone but like i don't want it so yeah (laughs) yeah so i don't know what i would what i would want to do to do with it uh i'm i mean i guess there's always seems to be a, a more than enough soul sand like you know it's not renewable but like you don't need enough of it um yeah to actually it's, cer- it's certainly used more now but i don't think anybody's ever said oh i've run out of soul sand and i can't find any you just you travel a little way in the nether and you're going to come across a a, a block of the stuff that's going to be you know keep you going for a while you don't build mm-hmm. with soul sand you just use it for technical stuff like bubble columns yeah so and, used, and slowing people down occasionally I, I used soul sand in some of my builds in the nether like we had these really boring cobblestone roads everywhere just because they're indestructible and you like you needed a safe way to get around and for the, some of the thicker pillars in my bridges rather than just making them all cobblestone they have sandstone cores so like the the mm-hmm. inner textures is uh is um not sandstone is um soul sand um, yeah which just kind of fits the nether and made it look like less of a player plopped cobblestone here <laughs> sure yeah less yeah. of a noob less of a noob looking bridge but but still very much i just i just needed to get from point a to point b without having the, the road underneath me be blown up every 10 minutes um but yeah like i can't think of anything else that i would want i think renewable. in terms of in terms of blocks there's not a huge amount but there are just some notable exceptions that would be very useful if we could renew them like quartz like clay, clay. i think the other the other thing is shulker shells because they're not renewable because mm-hmm. shulkers don't respawn and you said you'd implemented a data pack that allows shulkers yeah. to respawn by having endermites burrow into end uh, uh rather um purple blocks yeah and, and much much to the much to the delight of the community on the server and in both in both in in a way that they're happy that they can get more shulkers without having to go to the end and risk all things but also in the fact that uh, the feedback was that it's not so easy like it's it doesn't it doesn't it still feels like work like you're still grinding because could because of the rarity and randomness of an endermite spawning right so there's a lot involved in it so i i i feel like that was a positive change for us uh to make those renewable so yeah so maybe renewable items is, is a better way to go and so it goes back to what i was saying earlier about beetroot um i always find it difficult when i want to do magenta or purple things in game because it uses up so much lapis to try to make purple dye and where red dye you can get tons because you know like a a um you know, you can have two high roses, you can have poppies from your iron farm, you can get lots of red, but blue is finite, right? Like you can't yeah. get more of it. Same with cyan, lots of cactus green, but your blue is is limited to your lapis and how much of it you want to use for dye versus how much of it you want to use um, for enchanting and stuff. Um, so I feel like 
I feel like maybe having some of the existing renewable resources like beetroot, uh, like cactus, uh, be able to be turned into other things like we were talking about with speculation on the composter, maybe that's more of a, a thing. So it's less about renewable blocks and more about renewable items or or tools, I guess. Not tools, not yeah. tools, not tools like pickaxe tools, but like tools in game, things that you use as a tool. So we'd love to hear from you folks at home about what you think about this whole renewable resources discussion. Do feel free to drop us an email or if you're currently in the Discord, details of that, how to join will be uh, coming up in a second. But I think that's going to be all for this show. That's going to be it for this episode of The Spawn Chunks. You can find out more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com. The music for the show is composed by me and The Spawn Chunks is proud to be a listener-supported podcast. If you've enjoyed listening to the show, why not consider putting some value back in by joining our Patreon supporters. Visit patreon.com slash thespawnchunks to join the community, where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons-only Discord chat, which might end up having a pretty pretty lengthy discussion, I can imagine, about renewable resources and stuff in the wake <laughs> of this episode. Uh, joining the Patreon will also get us closer to our next Patreon goal, which is to have a quarterly kind of patrons discussion. Kind of, uh, uh, We're going to host a, a, a voice chat and, and have people contribute to just a discussion about the show and where it's going and we can kind of chat some of the stuff that we would talk about in the average episode uh we're currently i think at 51 patrons although patreon is having some weird issues this week and is not registering new patrons quite as quickly as it normally would so that number may change you might expect it to go up in the next episode but if you feel like joining then that would be fantastic we would love to have you aside from that there are plenty of other ways to support the show one of the easiest ways that you can support The Spawn Chunks is by sharing the podcast with your friends. It's absolutely free. You can find us on The Spawn Chunks on Twitter and Instagram. Of course, you can also just tell folks that are playing on your SMP, on your favorite Minecraft form, whatever you want to do. Any way that you can spread uh, news about the show is always, always welcome by us. And I keep on forgetting to mention this. For discoverability, leaving us a review on your uh, podcast app of choice is fantastic. So iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify... Uh, leaving us a review, whether it's, you know, I want to say five stars, but maybe it's only four, maybe it's three, I don't know. Uh, but uh, also a written review saying, you know, that you like the show and that you'd like to recommend it to friends. Those kind of things help actually help us pop up in the discoverability on those services. So that is also very welcome as well. You can email the show at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. Let us know what you think about renewable resources. And uh, the RSS feed, of course, is on thespawnchunks.com. Patrons can get access to the render distance, which is the extended version of this podcast, on the patron-only RSS feed, and that is on the main page on Patreon. My name is Pixelriffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash Pixelriffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called The Minecraft Survival Guide. I'm also the voice of the unofficial Hermitcraft Recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and I stream three days a week on Twitch, where this weekend I actually stream from the Minecraft Survival Guide world to celebrate hitting 50,000 YouTube subscribers, for which I'm still incredibly grateful. The rest of the time I play a variety of other games, including the Final Fantasy RPG series and a few others from time to time. Aside from that, I'm at Pixelriffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online, including my illustration and design portfolio, is at joelduggan.com. Dude, I didn't know that you hit 50k. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm very, very happy about it and slightly overwhelmed. It's it, The number is still growing. <laughs> Congrats and well-deserved. I think people should go in and check out that, that Minecraft survival guide. I learn stuff even when I watch it. I've been playing this game for a few years now. Uh, if you're interested in uh, hiring me for these illustration and design services that I mentioned. A couple of people have already uh, emailed me. I do cartoon avatars and I do cartoon emotes for Twitch. 
like the yes. one that Pixel Riffs Including has. one of mine. Yay. Yeah. The, the, the Pixel Flip emote, which is me clutching at a crafting table as if I'm about to flip the table. And it's it's gorgeous. I love it. Thank you so much, man. Uh, it was really, really fun to work on. So if you are out there, if you are a content creator, or if you just want one of these things for fun, uh, then drop me a line either on, uh, I, I want to say, let's go with my website, joelduggan.com, because my email is there. And for business stuff, it's a lot easier to track than social media. But if you got questions on Twitter and stuff, I can always, I can always try to get you there. But if you want to absolutely reach me and have me not miss it, email is the number one way. I do two other podcasts, The Citadel Cafe, where I talk about sci-fi and geeky entertainment, and Comics Coast to Coast, where I interview comic creators, illustrators, and animators. Check them out. Uh, we had a lot of fun the last week or so with those ones. And you can follow me on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram with just my name, Joel Duggan. Look for me on Twitch. I'm going to be doing a lot more art and pixel streams on that channel. Thanks for visiting the Spawn Chunks. The world outside is infinite, but there's a finite amount of dirt.